0: This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen.
1: I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio Program. Today you're going to hear a message called Moloch Ruling America, where I spoke at Beacon of Truth Church in Garnet, Kansas, for Apostle Reuben Esch. The date I shared was on July 19, 2023 in the evening service. Let's begin. We're supposed to be changing America, but America has changed the church. You're talking about Israel. God brought them out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in Israel. And they suffered for 40 years needlessly. We're suffering needlessly in America, and it's only going to get a lot worse without another great awakening. I can guarantee you there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and blood will flow. Father God, thank you now for this time. Bless it in the name of Jesus do what only you can do, dear God. Bear reality of what the word's spoken so that we can go forth with more authority, more power, more zeal, with determination, dear God, to be your ambassador, to do what we can to change our community. Continue, dear God, to be faithful with your people, to back the pastors here, dear God, Pastor Ruben and Charlie Watts, dear God. Let the people understand they're unique, they're not normal, they're righteous, and they should value them like the pearl of great choice because not every congregation sits under a man of God. Many sit under a hireling. Many sit under a eunuch, a steer instead of a bull who can't give life, who's been neutered because of a lack of relationship with God, a lack of intimacy with God. Because of that, they allow the pressures of society and people and government to affect their relationship and their stance as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Father God, we've got to have another great awakening. That's the only thing that's going to save America. It's the only thing that's going to prevent the church from coming under severe persecution. Let us realize that, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to give a little summary over our services Sunday just Briefly, just to bring us a little bit up to par, I know we have another congregation here, and uh, we certainly can't start over, but hopefully uh, it can come together. Now, I'm not going to show what I normally show with a new congregation, although you have an article in front of you, colored. If you don't have one, um, raise your hand and they'll give you one right now. It also has Eagle Saving Nations 1 and 2 in it and a brochure. And so that gives you a little bit of an idea of what I do. So if you don't have that color article, just raise your hand. Good. Okay. Now, Pastor Rubens asked me to also give some testimonies. I'm going to do that because I believe testimonies bring reality up front. Every pastor should have testimonies. Amen? Not the same kind, we we have different ministries, different callings, but we still should have a testimony to share, and many testimonies, because the gospel is alive, it's real. We should have testimonies. If you can just read the Bible and not have a testimony, why attend that church, I can read the Bible myself. But a pastor needs testimonies. It validates his ministry, his credentials. Is he called of God? Does he move with the Holy Spirit? Does God speak to him? There's got to be testimonies. Now Sunday morning I spoke on guarding the sheep from wolves. I gave some examples of David Wilkerson. He was a friend of mine. And this passage of guarding the sheep goes into Paul's weeping and crying, worrying about what would happen as he moved off the scene, how wolves would come in and twist the gospel. And he was crying, he was weeping, he was burdened, he was concerned. I believe that's what Pastor Charles Watts is, and, and apostolic leader Reuben Esch, and, and myself and others we are greatly burdened over what's happening in the church. If you're not burdened, I don't know why you're trying to lead the church. Jesus was burdened about the bride of Christ and warned what would happen in the future and also warned about the penalties that those that stood behind the pulpit would receive for misrepresenting him and fleecing the flock, taking advantage of them. Severe penalties to pastors. Now, I don't see that preached too often, but it should be. I was in a large church. This was after I had left law enforcement. My background was law enforcement, strategic air command in the military, SWAT team, special weapons and tactics, felony crime. I was also the president of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. Over every branch of law enforcement, FBI, CIA, US Marshals, Secret Service, local county police. And let me tell you something some of those agencies need to be dismantled. The CIA is corrupt. The FBI is corrupt. The presidential election was stolen. Are you hearing me? We're in a situation they're trying to topple America, move us into the New World Order, sheer communism. And some pastors don't seem to realize what's going on. It's like Germany all over again. Years ago, pastors used to condemn pastors in Germany. Oh, if I was there, I would have done something. Really? What did you do during COVID? That gives you a little bit of an idea. Did you, did you flow with them? I know I went on television, called for civil disobedience. Do not obey these unconstitutional laws. The church should not close down. Are we there? What would you do? Only Bonhoeffer and some others stood against Hitler. The church could have stopped Hitler, his policies at the beginning. We didn't need to get near this far that we're losing America if the church was healthy. If the church had a relationship, like Pastor Watts, breathing it, feeling it, Pastor Esch, I've known him for years. Why do we continue to work together? Why do I continue to come? Because he's real. He's burdened. He's passionate. He understands the bride of Christ. Two angels walked in years ago when I was speaking in this Assembly of God church over 1,000. Sat in the back. People's eyes were open. They, they witnessed. Fell under The power of God for about six hours laying on the floor. When it was all over, because when they walked in, they started writing down everything I was saying. I said, Lord, why did you send your angels? He said, my angels are always there. I said, what were they doing? They always write down what the person behind the pulpit are saying. And he said, on judgment day, they'll vindicate that man or woman of God or condemn them with their own words. I have never forgot that. Every church, their holy witnesses are recording what is being said, including what is being twisted of the word of God to manipulate people, or how they're trying to change the word of God so they can ordain homosexuals, bring drag queens into the churches. The emergent church lies of evolving. Do you understand holy angels? And I speak in front of a lot of pastors and bishops and apostles. And I have warned them for 30 plus years that testimony. Do you understand, guys? Holy witnesses are recording your statements. And if you're twisting the word of God to manipulate your people, you call giving units. God help your soul. They're going to either vindicate you or condemn you with your own words. And if you have the audacity to twist the word of God, God himself, because of your sheer vanity and pride, God help your soul. Guarding the sheep. I've done seven programs recently on demons. We're on seven days a week, radio and television television. Look at my website, worldministries.org, if you don't get our channels in your area, and you can watch and listen every single day. We hold nothing back. We have professionals on it constantly, clergy, business people, lawyers that fight in the Supreme Court, senators, House of Representatives, bankers, doctors. We censor nothing. We share the truth, exactly what's going on and what they're trying to do to manipulate you and even depopulate the world. See, this is real. Now, I don't think I'm shocking anybody here because I think you're under good leadership. Though number one was demons. Why am I doing a series on it? I found out that Apostle Esh is doing the same thing. Number two, demons are organized. Three, can Christians have demons? Four, the etiology of demons in people. Five, mediums, charms, fortune telling, etc. Six, Leviathan and Marine Spirits. Seven, Marine Spirits, the movie Avatar in Hinduism. You know, Revelation 9, 1 through 12, talks about plague of demons out of the abyss, bottomless pit to torment men for five months. Revelation 9, 13 through 21, plague of demons out of the abyss to slay one-third of men on the earth. Now understand Around the world, in the past, there's a lot of demonic activity. I've cast out more demons than I can count. Many coming out violently, some twisting their heads upside down as the spirits move out. We have more demonic activity. I gave Apostle Esh. I went to Washington, D.C., Dick Simmons' office right across from Congress, 68 hours a day, praying and then going into the Senate, House of Representatives, Supreme Court, White House, identifying the spirits in those places. We have more spirits influencing people now than ever before because we're so far away from God, the churches, than ever before. I could cast out demons out of most churches, in other words, people in churches, I could cast out demons just about out of every church. Worship pastors, everything. Because I've done it. Worship pastor come up for prayer for healing and discern a demon, start casting it out. They bring a bucket and he's vomiting and screaming as demons are coming out of the worship pastor. This isn't isolated. I spoke at the Fivefold gifts of ministry in Florida. Major meeting, apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, and the worship pastor. I cast demons out to start it out. That changed some of their theology. In Singapore, I was involved in a mega church. I've been involved with two. We'd get them saved on Sunday, and by Saturday, we had them lined up all ready for deliverance. Why? Because it's multicultural, multi-religion. Hinduism is one. When they're babies, they take them to the temple gods, you know, offer them to the gods. They get saved. We start casting demons out of them. You know, they start dancing around like a monkey or whatever, God, they were given to. Christians! Say, Christians can't have demons? Well, then you better not get sick because a spirit enters the body, not your spirit. Are you with me? I don't have time for teaching, but it's a reality. And demons are affecting people in all of the churches today because people are so far away from God. If you don't keep the door shut, God help you. You with me, Pastor? They're affecting us. Look at this insanity all over America. Don't you think demons are coming right from the White House? Right from Congress? Moloch ruling America. I want to talk on that tonight. Moloch ruling America. Sunday night, I talked on again, faith destroyers. Pastor Ruben already alluded to that, faith destroyers. Also, three things that prevent miracles or miracles or demons returning. One, I said offense. Two, without honor. Three, unbelief. Offense, without honor, unbelief. Offense. You classify it as a sin. It certainly is. We're supposed to not bear offense. When you have offense, you open yourself up for demonic activity. Also, you open yourself up where the Holy Spirit can't flow through you. I'll just give my testimony very briefly how I got out of law enforcement. I've pastored five churches, and now I'm leading World Ministries International and Eagle Saving Nations. Somebody had done something to my wife, first wife, and uh, in which some countries you could execute for. Other countries you'd be in prison 20 years. Restoration, righteous anger, is for restoration. Restoration, to bring the person to God. It's not to destroy somebody. I hated him. I wanted to kill him. Now, why? Because I had too much pride. Here I was the president of the Fellowship of Christian Peace Officers. It's like a pastoral position. I was also a lay pastor in a large assembly of God church, over 1,000, in counseling. And if you hate somebody long enough, there's a chemical imbalance that will happen in your mind as well as other psychosomatic diseases, and you could get a, a variety of diseases, including mental illness. Demonic attack. I had lost my peace, my joy, and I finally went to my basement and said, God, forgive me. I cried and cried and cried, and he forgave me. But then he said, leave your gift at the altar and make it right. Faith is not going by emotions. Even though I asked God to forgive me, I didn't want to see this man. But faith is obedience. You live by faith, you obey the word of God. So I talked myself into it. Get up, drive, get out, knock. He opened the door. I said, I've hated you. Will you forgive me? And it broke. Instantly, I loved him like a father. I went to the church. I said, some of you have called me pastor. I've been a hypocrite. I've hated a man. You know it. The senior pastor has talked to me many times. And I said, hey, I don't hate him. But I did. Because pride, you have deception, deceivableness. You can't see reality. But I knew it. That's why I cried out to God to forgive me. I've hated a man. I've asked God to forgive me. I asked the man to forgive me. And I want you as the church to forgive me. Now follow me as I follow Christ. That night, I had my first supernatural vision. And it's been a journey ever since. See, I had to get out of the way for the Holy Spirit to start to use me. Are we together? I had to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Always get out of the way. Tell you a story on the Indian Ocean. I had to get out of the way. In that nighttime vision, I saw myself meeting with presidents and prime ministers. If you look at those articles, you'll see that. I saw myself meeting with the masses. I speak up to 200,000 people at times. I saw apocalyptic events. I saw death lines, the situation today. I saw the heartbeat of God, and his heart was broken. I said, why, God, is your heart broken? He said, because my bride is in love with the world more than me. You know, you're talking about passion, Charlie, passion. That's what I see in you, passion, because of your love for Christ and the bride. God's heart was broken because of what's going on in America and around the world, because of the person behind the pulpit. My heart is broken because my bride is in love with the world more than me. I said, why, Lord? And he said, because of the man behind the pulpit. I came out of that in a deep sweat, conviction. I instantly started resigning from areas of responsibility, preparing myself to travel the nations to wake up the church for the second coming of Christ. It's an Elijah, John the Baptist type of ministry. Wake them up. You've lost your first love. You're not ready. Talked a little bit about peace in the storm. Casting all your cares on the Lord. Controlling your thoughts. We need to understand these things because trouble is coming like never before. You think trouble is here, it's going to get a lot worse. The only thing that can stop it is another great awakening if we can wake up the church you better understand peace in the storm that nobody can touch you unless God allows it that if he allows it you have instant promotion because we don't die i can give you so many testimonies of people coming back from the dead what they saw in heaven and they never wanted to come back we pray for one lady she had died we prayed the spirit came back in her body In heaven, while we were praying, the Lord took a seed bag off her, put it on her neck, said, you're going back to earth to sow this seed, and I'll let you come and stay. She begged him, no. Instantly, the spirit in the body. Did you think she thanked us for praying? She was upset for two years. The earth is so dirty. Why did you pray? Well, she became a missionary in a couple Singapore, Malaysia, she did great work for God. She sowed the seed and she died again and we didn't pray again. We left her there. I had enough of, you know, <laughs> you pray for somebody to be healed in two years, griping that, why did you pray? The point I'm making is people don't want to come back. They don't want to come back. They don't want to be here. We never die. If you have a heartache because of somebody that you love that God allowed to go leave them there, they would not want to come back to you again. I had four daughters and, and never had a son. We had a miscarriage. They said it was a boy. Now I have a boy. But that other boy would never want to come and live with me. Are, are we together? He's happy! my father there, my mother there. They don't want to come back. And neither will you when it's your time. You won't want to come back. Moloch. Moloch ruling America. In that color brochure what you got, Eagle Saving Nations 1 and 2 read it. It explains what they're trying to do to the top of the republic right now. You need to read it. Go on my website, worldministries.org. You can read the other three parts. This is serious. This is happening as we speak. I told you, on the Indian Ocean, Mombasa, I had to be very careful. The Muslims had burnt down seven churches. I was speaking in the largest church there of 40,000. We had nightly meetings and let me tell you I was in fasting I was in prayer fasting is an extension of the power of God it deletes your weakness so you can have God's strength because it deals with your pride which is self-preservation when you eat when I need something serious I start to fast if I'm going into a country of genocide I fast so I can go Mombasa Mombasa We had tremendous miracles. One time before I spoke, I said, the Lord came upon me, I want every person with a tumor, a tumor sticking out of your throat or anywhere in your body, come forward. Over 100 people came. I had ushers, please come and mark, take the names of these people. Now there was heavy anointing. As fast as I could touch them, they were falling. Not only that, the tumor instantly disappeared. Instantly. The next night I came, they introduced me and they kept clapping and and clapping and I was really getting grieved and I stopped the clapping I said you know it's okay for proper honor but they gave the honor to me that should have went to God and I said I did not heal anybody here God healed I don't want that type of honor you've got to be careful always careful that your pride doesn't offend the Holy Spirit I said, I don't want this type of honor. Please give God the glory. And they clapped for 45 straight minutes, and I felt pretty good. I felt pretty good. (laughs) Powerful things happened that night after that. It was an African church, but all of a sudden, everybody on their faces after the preaching, and they heard a heavenly choir and trumpets. There was no trumpets. They started to hear the choir of heaven. I'm telling you, when you get out of the way, powerful things happen. Open your colored newsletters. You'll see Rwanda there. I don't have it in front of me. Does someone go get me a colored newsletter real quick, somebody. Look for a Rwanda. Rwanda. And then next, look at Burundi. I'm just telling you how God still moves, how powerful he is. Page six. Now, if you punch any one of these, you go to the website, you, you look up Rwanda, punch any one of those, or in any of them, you'll see the full prophecy, what God is saying to these people. I don't have time to give you too many testimonies here. But Rwanda... I fasted 42 days to go to Rwanda. Why? Because if you know the story of Rwanda, if anybody's watched Hotel Rwanda, uh, they were pulling out people and slaughtering them. They killed 1.3 million people in three to six months. Nobody was going in. God gave me a word for the government, and I had to fast 42 days to have the courage to go in. Again, As you fast, you deny yourself, which is denying your pride, self-preservation as you eat, and you draw on the Spirit of God, the power of God, the boldness of God, the anointing of God. You start to draw God into you. And God's afraid of nothing. He's overcome everything. And after 42 days, I knew I could go in and I went in. I flew into Kigali, They took me to the parliament. The first words out of my mouth were, Mr. President, I would never say this to you. I would not say it. But God says the majority of your parliamentarians right here in this parliament are fools. And I gave the definition of a fool. One that rejects the word of God, the laws of God, the morality of God, the wisdom of God. And under your own vanity, you make your own laws and you've killed 1.3 million of your own people. And God calls his parliament a fool. Unless there's a repentance from the president on down. Sir, your nation is damned. You have killed an eighth of the population. You're going to have coup after coup, vengeance after vengeance. There will be no peace. Blood is in every home. I left with the parliament. They did not say anything. Spoke to a lot of Christians in he. In the capital, several thousand, and then I flew out. Two weeks later, I get a call from the president. He said, Reverend Hanson, just so you know, the parliament debated your words. They took your advice. we were calling seven days of national repentance in the national stadium of 60,000. It'll be on television. And for seven days, they repented one to another. The fighting has stopped, and there's been peace ever since. God can still use you. You say, what can I do? God can use you. Maybe you know you're supposed to go into a situation and witness to a family or friend. God can use you to resolve that situation if you have the courage to obey God, if God has spoken to you. You might have to fast to do it. Then fast. Then fast. But God still uses individuals. In powerful ways. That same man called me up before Trump was removed from office out of this uh, Deep South coup, stealing the election. He said, I found us on Google when you came to Rwanda. Now he, he says, I am now in Homeland Security. I'm working for President Trump. I want you to write a letter to the president, say you only want five minutes of his time. Mention me in it that you brought peace to Rwanda. I'll pick you up, take you to my home, take you to the president, put you on a plane, get you out of Washington, D.C. I'm just mentioning how God does things. I never had any anticipation that in the 90s, clear back now, in 2020, that I would ever talk to that man again. But look how, if you're faithful, how things can happen in the future. Are, Are you with me? Just like a harvest. You're faithful to plant it and till it and water it. And in the future, there's a harvest. These are things we must understand. Can we be faithful? There's a harvest in the future that you might not even see, but it's coming. It's coming. It's there. It's promised. What you sow, you'll reap. Now, I could tell you so many other stories of that. Burundi. From Kigali, I went on public bus to Burundi because there was fighting in the capital of Bujumburo. Of, uh, fighting. The airports were closed down. There was an embargo. I had to go by public bus. Now, I'm the only white man going through the jungles of Rwanda, Burundi, into the capital. The ambassador of the United Nations for Burundi met me at the bus stop. He said, I can't believe, Reverend Hanson, you're alive. You have to be a man of God. The bus was ambushed. People were screaming and crying and wailing. I believe God opened their eyes up to angels. And why do I say that? because I'm going to give you several other testimonies where that happened. They never attacked, and we went through. For three hours, they had us surrounded, and we went through. In the parliament, I'd given a word. I sent the word. It came to pass. They invited me, and that's how I meet with parliaments. But sometimes in the parliament, then God will use me in a word of knowledge. And this time he did. Sir, you shot a man in the head. You killed him. Now, these are members of parliament. Sir, you slashed a man across the face. You killed him. God exposed five sins of murder. I said, there's mercy and grace today. God said, if you'll stand and repent, he'll forgive you. Tomorrow, I see your president. The next day, the president of Rwanda. But if you fail to stand under mercy and grace, for every week I'm gone, one of you will die, and you'll know God sent a real prophet to Burundi. Five members of parliament stood and confessed of murder. The next day, the president heard what happened in the parliament, wouldn't, wouldn't receive me. God had a word for him, for his own life and future, his sins. He wouldn't see me. It came to pass. They chased him from office. The new president came in. Heard what happened, invited me back. I went and met four more days with a new president and his cabinet. And now they've invited me back again to hold meetings in the Capitol. He said, Lead my nation to Christ. See, God is real, He's alive, He still moves. Nobody can touch you unless God allows it. That's the reality. I've had people rise up, charge at me. Couldn't bring the dagger down, just froze. I had another man threaten. And the Spirit of God came on me. If you don't quit your threaten, threatening, you can fall over dead. He continued, continued, continued to threaten, threaten the church. He fell over dead. They did an autopsy. Malaria hit the brain. Nothing can touch you unless God allows it. Does that make you Superman? No. I still have to fast and pray if I'm going into a situation that fear grips me. I'm a flesh and blood, but with his strength, his power, his anointing, his authority, and his mandate, I can go anywhere. Can you say amen? You can go anywhere when God gives you a commission. And if you have to fast and pray to fulfill it, then fast and pray. Some of it might be just to bring restoration to a family member that the Holy Spirit has been telling you to go talk to for a long time and you've been delaying it. Out of maybe fear and intimidation, possibly it's just a manifestation of pride. Are we together? Amen? I sent a letter to a pastor in uh, Zimbabwe to meet me at the zimbabwe border zambia he was in zambia meet me at the zimbabwe border victoria falls i waited three hours he never came the holy spirit told me to walk i walked crossed the border i'm not i don't know where i'm going but i waited three hours and i my face was really starting to burn up you know the african sun i didn't have a hat i thought he would be there i crossed the border and somebody says pastor follow me puts me in a vehicle Tells the bus driver, take this man to Livingston, Zambia. Okay. I don't think too much about it. I, th- I thought the pastor just sent somebody to put me on the bus. I get off the bus. I reach in my pocket to give him the kwacha, the currency for Zambia, and he, he doesn't want to even look at it. Now, I'm a little confused. I've been to Zambia before, and like Mexico, if you don't know what you're doing, they'll tell you three times more than it costs. So I thanked him. I got off the bus. Somebody says, Pastor, follow me. So I follow. They take me, tell me directions, where to go. So I go up the street where they're telling me there's a fork in a road, and I take the wrong fork. And somebody on the other side says, Pastor, you're going the wrong way. Follow me. Okay. So I turn around and follow him. He takes me to within 100 meters of of the pastor's home. He says, he lives there. Thank you. I start walking, then I turn around to ask him another question, and I can't find him. Now, I don't think too much about it. There's a lot of people. Somehow, I just lost him in the crowd. I go, I knock. Pastor Mumba! He doesn't answer the door fast enough. I open it up and walk in. I'm still a little hot. You know, my face is red and... I said Pastor Mumba, I sent you a fax. I waited 3 hours in the sun. You can see I'm sunburned. Why didn't you come? He hasn't answered. But at least you sent me people along the way and here I am. He said Pastor Hansen, I sent nobody to pick you up because I never got your fax. How did you travel? I showed him the quatcha. I said, I was going to use this, but the bus driver never wanted to look at it. He just let me ride free. He said, that kwacha has been disillu- dis- disillusioned, you know. They destroyed it, discarded seven months ago. He says, You're, you have no money. Again, I, I never got your facts. I walked out of his room right into his bedroom, fell on his bed, and I started crying. He didn't have my facts. He didn't know I was coming. Yet three beings met me, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Livingston, right to his home. I just cried. My grandmother, grandfather, First Assembly of God Missionaries in northern China, she was preaching alone in a village. She was surrounded by this notorious gang. She recognized them. He was a murderer, rapist. She watched and watched. She watched all night. They never attacked her. In the morning, they left. Two years later, she's in a village witnessing. This same notorious, well-known murderer came up to her and said, I want to ask you a question. Two years ago, we surrounded you. Do you remember that? She said, yes. She said, why didn't you attack me? He said, we couldn't couldn't attack you. You had guards. Nine feet tall, guards. And when we tried to get closer, they pulled out the swords. And on the end of the sword was fire. We couldn't come near you. She was alone. Those were the angels of the Lord. And country after country after country I go, they see angels behind me. Cayman Islands, seven horizontal, seven vertical, and a giant angel. There's always a giant angel. Country after country. I started to complain to God. I said, God, all of these people see these angels around me, and and, uh, even in churches in America, they see this giant angel. People are afraid to come up to the altar. I want to see my giant angel. I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I had fallen asleep on my couch in my living room. And there he was. Now, I don't personally see a lot of angels. That was the first time I saw an angel. Other than when the two had walked in. Which other people witnessed. But I, you know how I knew he was my giant angel? He went through our... Now the ceiling wasn't as high as this. My home but he went through the ceiling, and uh, I could only see chest below. Now, I wasn't afraid. I just sat there not knowing what to do. I must have sat for 15 minutes. You know, like Paul says in, in others, like a dead man. I just, I wasn't afraid, but I didn't know what to do. Here he is. And I got up, and he Disappeared. Six months later, I'm in another room in my house, fell asleep. I woke up, and there was a golden angel. Now, the, the giant angel was white with a robe on, a type of white I've never seen before. This was a golden angel the size of a Well, so probably six-something. He had a trumpet. Same thing. I just look at him. He looks at me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not afraid, but I don't, you know, wow. So we're looking at each other like I'm looking at Charlie Watts. I mean, that real. He was real. I wasn't asleep. It wasn't a vision. There he is. And after about 15 minutes, he left. I said, Lord, why did you send this angel? You know, the trumpet, because he says, we're getting close. We're getting close to all things coming to pass, and the trumpet of the Lord sounding. Now, literally, I could talk to you for hours this way. For hours. Moloch, Canadian, Canaanite deity associated with child sacrifice. That's going on in America. A statue of Moloch was stationed at the entrance of the Colosseum in Rome to welcome visitors to an exhibition that ran through March 20, 2020. This location is where Christian martyrs died when they would not renounce their faith in Jesus Christ. The height of this hypocrisy cannot be overlooked. The leaders of the world do not look to God of the Bible as supreme, worthy of loyalty, worship, and obedience. Placing the statue of Moloch there was an example of how the world, especially demons, influencing the leaders of the world view true Christians. They see them as ignorant, stupid, narrow-minded individuals resisting the morality of the New World Order where the morality of Moloch is worshipped. You know, most politicians aren't afraid of the church a bit. And they tell me that. They don't have to worry about the church. They're out to lunch. They're not in tune with reality. They think exactly what I just said. And so do demons, because most Christians aren't aware of demons anymore. No discernment. Most pastors can't recognize them or cast them out. Throughout the Bible, where the Israelites engaged in the morality of Moloch, even to the extent of killing their children in the fires of Moloch, God judged them. They went into bondage and slavery as everything they did failed. Leviticus 18.21. Do not allow any of your children to be offered to Moloch. The morality of Moloch includes not only killing babies in the mother's womb, but homosexuality, lesbianism, cross-dressing, adultery, fornication, cohabitation, drunkenness, idolatry, deceit, witchcraft, etc. They're trying to take our worship off God and on to Moloch. Some other deity. Some other principality. Some other religion. Romans 1, 28 through 32, you can read it. 1 Chronicles 10, 13 through 14, you can read it. I don't have time to read it. Revelation 13, 7, 16 through 17. I'll read you a verse or two. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And you're talking about deceivableness, deception because we're rejecting the truth. Have you ever seen America under such deception and insanity as today? Even Sodom and Gomorrah, my goodness! They didn't have 27 genders. If you don't think we're ripe for judgment, my goodness, the cup of iniquity is filling up and about ready to pour over. First for repentance and then for destruction. The science of judgment. I wrote a book back there. 29 chapters. I don't have time to get into the science of judgment. God is predictable. You can see the rise and fall of nations. When their cup of iniquity becomes full, we are ripe for judgment. I was invited to the Republican conference three weeks ago to speak. And most of those guys have come through my office to be on my program so we can get them elected. Now, I was also a keynote speaker. I open prayer the day before for the next, I hope, governor of Washington state. Because we're living under a tyrant right now, Jay Inslee. And when it was my turn to speak, I said, you know, guys, we're trying to get you elected. You know it. You've been in my studios. But even if we got every one of you elected, even if we put Trump back in the office, even if we take the Congress and the Senate, yet you will not stop the judgment of God because Many of you accept homosexuality. The Republican Party accepts homosexuality and LGBTQ. And this nation is going to come under judgment and millions will die anyway, even though you are in office. You're only going to delay the toppling of the republic. You will not stop the judgment of God. You say, are you going to be invited back? I don't know. I don't care. Our position is to represent Jesus Christ. If Donald Trump had good people around him, he wouldn't have got into this mess of going with homosexuality. Where are all these pastors that were around Donald Trump? Bragging and boasting. What did they do? I spoke for Jerry Jones's uh, businessmen, bankers, billionaires, etc., scientists. I, gave, I, I said this, basically the same thing. I said, we are losing America. You know it and I know it. They're trying to have a great reset. They're trying to destroy the economy. Move us into a new world order. You know it! Filled with bankers and not a one is arguing. Saying you're right. And I go over the whole thing. Two Trump supporters were there, advisors. And I go into the Republican Party, the failure of now they're accepting homosexuality. When in 1973, sodomy was a crime and you'd be arrested for it. It was classified under the dsm 3 Diagnostic Study of Mental Disorders as a mental illness that they needed rehabilitation. John, Thomas Jefferson authorized a bill to castrate homosexuals, President Thomas Jefferson. More states recommended the death penalty, many life imprisonment, right here in the United States not too long ago. Now, I share that on radio and television, and I just quote it, history, and they can't sue me because it's history. President Thomas Jefferson authorized a bill to castrate homosexuals. They understood it brings a curse on a nation and God judges that nation. Do you understand this? Years ago, we understood the seriousness of sin. We love that person, but we know the sin will bring judgment on any nation that condones it. We've got to have another great awakening. The church has to rise up and not be filled with fear and intimidation. If we don't have another great awakening, it's all over. Put up Melita. I don't have time to go into the depths of this, but I do want to just share the authority you and I have. We adopted uh, this baby out of Africa. They tried to decapitate her cut her head off. CNN covered the story because they had cut the esophagease and uh, they had to wrap the head to keep it on her shoulders. Miracle from baby from Somalia. CNN covered the story. This is what miracles are made of. This baby did not die. Next. So they're holding her head together. Again, decapitation. Uh, the Muslims, why did they do it? Um, We'll never know for sure if the parents were Christian and they kill the parents and kill. I mean, Somalia is deeply Muslim. And they they kill you if you say Jesus is God. Because in Islam, Jesus is a prophet, comes back to kill the Jews and the Christians and usher in their utopia. So she had tubes in her. They said she would never eat, talk, or breathe. Next. Four years later, she's in a Seattle hospital. Now, I won't go into the story how we got her here or anything else. Miracles along the way, including provision. I mean, um, we had to sacrifice a whole year's salary. Uh, to show to the court if we could win the case, U.S. versus Somalia, and I can't go into the details. It's really encouraging how God moved, and and we came against all odds. They said, you'll never never win the case, Reverend Hanson. It's U.S. versus Somalia. It's Christianity versus Islam. You'll never win. Anyway, I'll say this much. We won without going into the details, which would really be encouraging, but like I said, we sacrificed... Uh, a year's income to buy the suction machine to show the court If we get her, we can keep her alive. I'll tell you, every month, every month after we adopted her, for four years, every month, it cost $500 to just buy the instruments to keep her alive. And every month it came in from I don't know where. Sometimes out of Britain, here's pounds, it came up to $500. Are you hearing me? In Africa, when we sacrificed our living allowance to buy the machine, every month God provided our food. I was over Africa for missionaries at that time, and missionaries were coming in from Uganda that were Spanish. And my, my wife said, I wish we could make them Spanish food. And uh, I wish we had, we had uh, hamburger and cheese. Ten minutes later, there's a knock on the door. I go to the door. No one's at the door. There is a box filled with hamburger and cheese. I, I remember teasing her until she went on to glory. Why didn't you ask for tomatoes and, and onions? And uh, come on, let's do it right. You should have asked for some other things. She got hamburger and cheese. And we still made them a great dish. But I'm just telling you how God is interested in your needs. Are you, are you there? He's interested in your needs. They said she was never able to talk, eat, or breathe. They tried 10 days in ICU, in a coma. They couldn't bring her out of it. They heard the story about Somalia and how they tried to cut her head off and she's still alive. And so doctors and nurses would come in every day wanting me to tell a story because they couldn't believe it. It made the medical journals. Baby won't die. They said, Reverend Hanson, we're going to try to bring her out of a coma for the last time. They tried two other times. Now, we're going to let you in the room, which is is against our policy, since you're the, the father. But you stay in that corner, and you don't say a word, or we'll throw you out. They're trying to bring her out of a coma, and they can't do it. Her vitals keep going up, and the Lord says, pray for her. And I said, God, they're going to throw me out. Pray for her. They're going to throw me out. Pray for her. Father God, they're going to throw me out. You heard them. If you don't pray for her, your daughter will die. I squeeze in seven doctors, and they're looking at me like, hey, we told you to stay out of here. And I started to command the spirit of death. Spirit of death, go in Jesus' name and the vitals come down. They're looking at me, but it worked. It rises, I command the spirit of death for the second time. Spirit of death, go! But I do it with authority. In Jesus' name, the vitals come down. It rises, I command the spirit of death the third time. Spirit of death, go! In Jesus' name, the vitals come down and they stay down. Next. And that's how she looked. And she could eat, she could talk, she could breathe. She ended up graduating with a four-point and going to the state in basketball. Can you believe that? <laughs> Hallelujah! That's the God we serve! That's the God we serve! Tell you what, two years ago, next, two years ago, She was in Hawaii with a double skull fracture, first got there, and and, uh, whatever happened, we don't know for sure, but a double skull fracture. I get a call. She had just arrived. She's in the hospital, incubated. They can't stop the bleeding. Incubated for three weeks. I fly there, and I'm with her every single day anointing with oil, quoting scripture. They don't think she's ever going to come out of it. They can't stop the bleeding. It's, it's bleeding. There's damage under the brain, in the nose. They can't stop it. Pictures look the same way, only now she's older. Once she went into arrhythmia, and the room was filled with maybe 11 doctors and nurses. They thought, for surely, this is it. Uncontrollable bleeding in tubes. I anointed with oil in front of all those medical people, rebuke the spirit of death. She vomits over the whole bed. Heart comes back to normal. Are you there? She gets released a week later. Bleeding stopped. She should have never come out of the... She should have never been healed in the first place. She should have never come out of the hospital in Hawaii two years ago. That's the God... We serve. All powerful. Nothing's impossible. It's up to you. Move in the Word of God. Move what it tells you to do. God honors His Word. Draw nigh unto God. He'll draw nigh unto you. The more you draw nigh unto God, the more you move with the power of God. Everybody in this room can move with God. Everybody in this room. Everybody in this room can move with God draw nigh unto God he'll draw nigh unto you you can see souls saved people healed people delivered these pastors I know are training you and shoot they'll teach you how to cast out demons and everything else amen let's have every head bowed I know you have to go to work so we'll put a caboose on this thing you're saying pastor I want, I want to draw nigh unto God. I want to move in the Holy Spirit. I want God to use me in powerful ways. I want that. If that's your prayer, quickly raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All over this, I think every hand, that's my prayer too. Now, here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott?
2: Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years, yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business, or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the independence program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training. And if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount.
3: So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us. Because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment, according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7 and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360 629 5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too okay so one more time 3606295248 thank you and god bless